Hey everyone, this is Pete Perusik, and I want to welcome you to this edition of the Weathered Athlete Podcast, a place for us to honor those athletes that refuse to go quietly into the night. As a weathering triathlete and a physical therapist, I will spend my time talking with those athletes that continue to make the necessary repairs and continue to move forward. They may have a few cracks in their foundation or a squeaky step, and their patinas may continue to fade, but they are no less glorious than years prior. In fact, I feel they have more heart and resolve as they have weathered and can provide the pathway to set the standard that we should all live by. My goal is to determine what sets these individuals apart from the rest of society. After the discussion is over, I encourage you to stick around and hear a breakdown from a physical therapist's perspective of how this weathering athlete is able to keep moving forward. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and share with your friends. Today, I'm honored to have Sue Reynolds with me for mile number seven. She is the author of The Athlete Inside, The Transforming Power of Hope, Tenacity, and Faith. She provides insight into the steps she took and how she approached each new possible roadblock along the way. Through her inquisitive nature, use of personal mantras, and the assist of those around her, including her coach and family, she was able to go from being unable to tie her shoes at age 60 due to her weight to finishing 6th and 1st American at the World Sprint Triathlon Championships at age 66. Early on, we talk about one of the possible hazards of training in the summer months in southern Indiana and North Carolina. I hope you find our mile-long journey with as much enjoyment as I did. How are you doing, Sue? I'm fine. I think it's really cool that you're doing this podcast for us oldies. Well, I appreciate you taking the time with me. This is when I found your story um, probably about a month ago, and it's just in- incredible. So uh, I definitely want to talk about that. But actually, today I was doing some show prep, and I happened to pop on your uh, website, and I saw you saw a little creature on the road today. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I have. I, I thought. I used to teach science. And I, so I know the difference between a venomous snake and a non-venomous. And so I quickly looked at the head and the head was not a triangle. So I didn't think it was anything dangerous. So I'm, you know, I walked up to it. I'm taking pictures. And then when I got home and looked it up and I thought, oh my gosh, it's a copperhead. So was it? Yeah. I, well, I think it was, I, I'm yeah. going to send the, that video to DNR and see what they think. I, I'm just curious now. But because the um, the common water snake looks like a copperhead, so yeah. and we have, we have both um, in southern Indiana, but it's rare to see a copperhead. So, yeah. So so I was I was very calm through the whole thing. <laughs> when I got home and saw that it was a copperhead, I'm still kind of shaky. <laughs> I'm thinking, it, oh my. It is. That was the biggest adjustment to North Carolina. Of course, I run some trails and. Uh, I actually ran with somebody a few years ago and he actually stepped on it. I was right behind him and luckily I stopped so it didn't bite me. But it's one of the the downfalls of living here is you have to pay attention all the time. And just from the picture, it sure looked like the markings of ones. But yeah, 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 yeah. It had those like polka dots inside of the diamonds and the the diamonds were outlined with black. But I don't know. We'll, We'll see what DNR says. I'm I don't know. Well, I'm we'll glad see. you're okay and that you were fine, but I saw that and, and you know, we had to start with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was surprised at how calm I was. We, my world championship two races ago was in Australia and we always stay for like a week and just explore the country after the race. 
And I thought with all the venomous snakes and bugs and in, in Australia, no way. So we flew to New Zealand because they don't have anything dangerous in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I'm not really good. But I was very calm today until... I found out what it was. Yeah, well, that's good. It's over. You're home now and you're safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, except I'm still a little shaky for this interview. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll be okay. We'll get you to talk about stuff that you're good at, that you know. <laughs> hey, before we begin, yep. I, I do have one question. Tell me, can you kind of just summarize for me then who your intended audience is? Okay, so my intended audience is really anybody over the age of 50, primarily, and right. who are not necessarily triathletes, but they're people who may be starting out where they're not as active or just, you know, uncertain about getting into it. You know, the way I look at it is that we all have a few cracks in our foundation. We all have some squeaky steps, but, you know, we can make the repairs and we can continue to move forward. So my goal is either people that are actually doing what you're doing now, like actually competing in whatever event it is. But then I'm trying to grab all those people who really are saying, I, I'm too sick. I can't do that. You know, I have a bad knee. I have a bad hip. Um, you know, I'm overweight. I have any of these things that just stop me. And what I want to do is I want to show them with your story and with Charlie's story and with I just had a 90 year old last week that I, yeah, uh, I published. listened to part of that. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So, again, it shows me that you just got to like you did, you put one foot in front of the other and you start. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there's so much benefit of exercise, no matter what that is. Again, you don't have to be a triathlete, but again, right. just getting out the door and exercising. So that's really the, I think the attendant target. Yeah, that sounds great. And one other question, mm -hmm. when I look at the episodes on, on your website or the, the show's website, um, I was confused. Like, I think uh, the one that you did with the 90 year old, it said mile five after the title of the yes. episode, mile one after some, what I didn't understand what that meant. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm viewing this as a race. So I am taking it one mile at a time. Every episode is basically a mile journey. Like if, if you're doing an Ironman, you know, I have to get 140.6 right. miles. I'm going to fill every one of those miles with as much of, you know, inspiration, whatever I can get at to get to keep going. Cool. Okay. So first of all, I'd like to thank you um, for joining me uh, today. I have Sue Reynolds with me and she wrote this awesome book, The Athlete Inside, uh, The Transforming Power of Hope and Tenacity of Faith. And I I'm just very excited. I have so many places I want to go with you, but I I'm going to respect your time and we're going <laughs> to cover what we can cover in the time. Um, but my main thing is, especially, you know, this is the Weathered Athlete Podcast, is um, my focus is on individuals over the age of 50. Uh, so how old are you, Sue? <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, right out of the bat. <laughs> I just, I laugh because, you know, that's supposed to be such an indecent question to ask a woman her age. But, but yes, I am weathered. I am um, 66 years old today. Awesome. Um, so when did you start this uh I guess transformation is the best explanation I, or best words I can use. Yeah, I started when I was 60 and I was totally an inactive person and um, just in a nutshell, and I was obese. I weighed 335 pounds and um, just in a nutshell, I've lost 200 pounds. Um, took me about three years to do that and started um, 
walking to begin with and then running and then got into triathlon and ended up uh, loving it and uh, competed at national championships and then qualified for the United States team and competed on in my age group at the World Triathlon Championship and finished sixth in the world and first American. So it's been just a crazy, crazy journey. Yeah. When you think back, so in your, your six years since you started that, could you have mm-hmm. even have dreamed this? No, no way. No way. Um, even when I started thinking about triathlon, it, it was never to actually do one. I was just exercising and I found exercising to be kind of boring. So yeah. in my mind, I would pretend that, oh, I was I was preparing for a triathlon and, <laughs> and, and, you know, I just never thought I would do it. And then I, I, and the more I exercised, the longer distances I could go. And finally, one day I could do all the distances and tried one. And yeah, so, but no, there's no way. I mean, nobody, and nobody who knows me ever would have dreamed that this was possible. I, I was obese almost all my life. And yeah, so this is, this is real different. Wow. So I know, um, I, your book is awesome. I actually um, ordered it last week. And then, of course, I went to Florida. So it got delivered to my house <laughs> and not to Florida. Um, and so I thought about it on the way down. I'm like, I'm going to order another one, send it to my mother-in-law's. But then on the way, I was right ready to hit uh, purchase. And I realized, well, she gets all our mail forwarded. So I wouldn't get it anyways. So I came back last night. And I've actually read just about the whole book last night and today. It's fantastic. Okay. I, I can't well, recommend you. it enough to, to people. And it's a nice, easy read. And um, so let's instead of uh, kind of covering everything, let's go back to the 5K. I want to talk about that. Yeah. I thought that was the most interesting <laughs> story. Yeah, that 5K. <laughs> so when I was 335 pounds, I mean, I I thought it was impossible to exercise and I'm older. So, you know, I'm 60 years old and I'm, you know, obese and I I just never dreamed that I could even exercise. So part of the the challenge is in the beginning is just figuring out what exercise, you know, someone who was so heavy could do. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be, you know, sprinting laps around a track. So my very first exercise was just walking. And that was, that was tough. Um, I, for people who have never been overweight, um, you know, I like to describe it as the extra 200 pounds that I was carrying. That's the equivalent of 10, 20 pound bags of ice. So, you know, imagine carrying 10 of those bags of ice as you're trying to walk. I mean, it was, it was hard. Um, But the, you know, the first walk, I just, I would just walk to the neighbor's driveway. It was about 50 meters and then walked home. And then the next day I walked to the second neighbor's driveway. So every day it was a little bit farther. Um, And one thing I did, I didn't realize that I was doing this but I'm so glad I did it. And I, and I always recommend this to, to folks now who are starting to exercise. Um, af, every time I would go to another driveway, I would text my sons and I'd say, you know, hoo-hoo, I'm at the seventh driveway. And they would, they would text back and say, good job, mom. But what I set up was an accountability system. Yeah. And I think that that is so important, whether it's working with a coach or a friend or a family member, just to have somebody that you're reporting to who you know in the back of your mind, if you don't do it, they're going to notice. Yeah. So that was, that was huge. Um, but when I got to the point where I was walking uh, three miles, my younger son, when I said, I walked three miles and he texted me back and he said, oh, good mom, let's do a 5k. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, I mean, I'm still, you know, obese. I'm still majorly, majorly overweight. 
Um, and I really thought that 5Ks were just for athletes and just for fit people. So I, I told him no, and he kept begging me and begging me. And um, one of the things my son's really good at is he, and he's taught me a lot. He said, mom, every time you come up with a, yeah, but I don't know what to wear or yeah, but I'm so slow out inconvenience people. He said, every time you hear those yourself saying those words, yeah, but that's really just the beginning of an action plan. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I don't know what to wear, find out what to wear. And, you know, if you can't afford it, go to the Salvation Army, you know, whatever, yeah. go to the thrift shop, get it. Um, one th I was really worried that I would be so slow that the race organizer um, would have to wait forever for me because yeah. I'd be so far behind everybody else. And he, my son said, well, you know, call the race director and see if they'll still be around. So I did. And I told him I thought it would take me an hour and a half to walk the, the three miles. So I was so slow. And they said, oh, that's perfect. We'll still be there cleaning up and, you know, you won't inconvenience us. So. So um, I finally agreed and our, my son entered us into this race and then he told me the name of it. It was called the Krispy Kreme Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so I was so worried that people would be like pointing at me because I was obese and, and wondering, you know, what I was doing there because I was so heavy. And then I thought, well, now they're going to think I just came to eat the donuts. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but the twist on that 5k was that you you at the halfway point they gave you a dozen donuts yeah and uh, so people were sitting down having a picnic and eating donuts <laughs> before they went back but but i didn't eat them i i stayed on my nutrition plan and um and i finished that race i walked the whole thing to this day it's the hardest race i've ever done yeah. um yeah. now that i understand like heart rate and training zones i know i was at red line my i was my heart was beating so hard in those but you know, I just took it slow and it just, I finished. And when I came across the finish line, the announcer said, and here comes Sue Reynolds and this is her first 5k. And the few people that were still there cleaning up all stopped what they were doing and they all clapped for me. And I, I just fell in love with endurance sports and the endurance community, uh, as yeah. you know, it's, it's yeah. just so kind and helpful to people. And yeah, I just, I just love the endurance community. I think it definitely makes things easier, you know, and you're self-conscious going into it. And we can talk more as we, as you moved up to triathlon and everything, but you know, it, it is, it, they are so welcoming and there's so much energy and that positivity, you know, you have the people that are there, they're only, they got the tunnel vision, they are doing their thing. They're not worried about anybody else. But I think the majority of all of us middle packers and to the bottom, yeah, yeah. we are, we are there for a lifestyle. We are there for the community. And it's so good to to see that because I think it you're right, it gave you that incentive to say, I want to do another one. I want to do yeah, another one. And absolutely. you and and you keep going and that kind of keeps you on schedule, I think, which is good. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a that's something that a lot of folks don't realize about endurance sports. You know, of, of all the people that are there, there are maybe five percent that are actually racing. Yeah. The, the rest are just trying to get across the finish line. And because that you're not competing with people. You're just trying, you know, to get across the finish line. Everybody cheers for everybody else and helps everybody else. Yeah. It's just, it's just an amazing place. I like to think, I like to say, really, I, I think that endurance sports mornings when you were setting up and getting ready for the start, it's the happiest place on earth. Yeah. You know, everybody's there trying to do something they've maybe never done before. And it's just like you say, it's so full of energy. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. 
So when you did the the 5K, did you jump right to a, a half marathon? Did you do anything? I know you did other 5Ks. Did you just jump right to 13? Yeah, no. Well, I did a lot. I did 5Ks for like a year and okay. I entered as many as I could. And I walked most of them, to be, well, all of them to begin with. Um, and then I started a, a run program called um, Run 5K. It's an app on my on your phone, mm-hmm. your smartphone. And I really loved it and recommend it because um, it starts you with running very, very slowly. So in, you know, at, at my age and being overweight, I, I hadn't run for 50 years. I mean, yeah. you know, for 40 years, I didn't even know if I could run. Um, my first run, I, I think I literally ran for 10 feet. That was it. And I'm not really even sure it was running, but <laughs> like my arm, my elbows were bent and I was, my legs were moving a little faster. So I think it was probably just a fast shuffle, but I called it running. It moved. It so, works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, that app is wonderful because, yeah. uh, it, you do a run walk and you know your first run the little voice will say run and you you run for like 20 seconds and then it will say walk and you know the I think the first day is 20 minutes and then the the next day they have you 20 minutes total and then the next day they increase the run a little bit so by the end of the program you're running a 5k yeah uh, so that's kind of how I got into it and and, and my racing, too, went through that progression. I, you know, walked the entire 5K to begin with. But then as I went on, I would walk run in the 5Ks. And then finally, I got to the point where I could run the whole thing. And and there's there's nothing wrong with walking. Um, I was listening uh, to a podcast, another podcast with, with Bobby McGee, who is like the one of the best running coaches in the world. And he, mm-hmm. he coached our Olympic triathlon team in 2016. And he really advocates for the longer distances that people do run walks because um, you the recovery is, is easier. So, yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. As a physical therapist, when I go and look at what you how you did it, uh, it's to a T. It's perfect because you didn't go out there and just try to go as hard as you could, which your success rate may not have been good or you may have injured yourself. Um, right. Did you have any injuries along the way? Um, not really. I had some, um, issues with my SI joint, um, just not being like where it was supposed to be. So we went and we fixed that and, and I currently have frozen shoulder, but that has nothing to do with, with triathlon. (laughs) Just, um, and I'm just working through that. I'm still swimming and stuff, but, but no injuries from the exercise. So, and I think I credit that to the fact that I, I ramped up really, really slowly. Yeah. So I think that was important. And and I also think that that was maybe a little bit easier for me because I wasn't an athlete in yeah. my youth. So I didn't have, like, have memories of being fast. Yeah. I think for, you know, older people that can remember what it was like to be fast, there's that urge to push. Yeah. And luckily I didn't have that urge. So, yeah, I've been injury free. So yeah. that's been good. And uh, yeah, I think it's a testament to how you started and uh, and took your time. There's definitely advantages that, and and you think, okay, so I'm gonna say, you know, you did this in basically three years. That that's still taking your time. You you yeah. did you took your time over that time. And the nice thing too, as you kept losing weight, because how much did you lose the first year? Uh, the first year I lost about a hundred pounds. Okay. Yeah, and then the second year was fifty, maybe a little bit more than fifty, and then the third year was about fifty again. So, so perfect. As you kept losing the weight, you kept your same 
you know, steady, nice, slow ramp up, which is perfect because you gave your body time to adjust as your as your basically body structure changed. Yeah, yeah. And and really, that was some of the motivation for losing the weight at that point was that I knew every five pounds I lost would make the run a little easier. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that's always important. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so when you did, um, so that first uh, half marathon was what, in Indianapolis, right? You did that at the raceway? Right, at the, the Indy 500 half, half marathon, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I did that because I really lacked a lot of confidence with my running. Um, and I figured if I could go 13 plus miles, um, that would give me a lot of confidence and, and it did. And yeah, yeah, finished that one. And I did a run walk in that one. So I I think I ran five miles and then, or five minutes and then walked a minute and then ran five and then walked one. Okay. Um, but finished and felt great. And, uh, by, by that point I was working with a coach who was helping me and, um, I remember I remember before I even got the medal around my neck, I was texting him and saying, you are the best coach. I, I feel great. I think I could do another one of these right now. And yeah, it was just really, it was an exciting moment. And yeah, what is, I think what, 35,000 people? Is that how much, you know, there's yes. a lot of people that yeah. race that. So that's a pretty, again, that that environment and that vibe is incredible. And I've had friends that have done that race too and finishing inside the, you know, the, the track, I guess, is that's pretty yeah. cool running around the track. Well, and just big races <laughs> are fun. Um, you know, the large races, the, there'll be entertainment along the way. Yeah. So, you you know, you run past bands and cheerleaders yeah. and um, comics and, you know, just all kinds of entertainment. And, and there are a lot of people. One of my favorite visuals from that race was turning around and looking at, you know, thousands of people getting ready to start. And everybody was jumping up and down to warm up. And it looked yeah. like, like Mexican jumping beans. All these different <laughs> colors. <laughs> they were bouncing up and down. It was just, it was just fun. Just, just experience that environment. Yeah, that is awesome. And just think, you know, what, in four years earlier, you weren't doing anything like that. So that is pretty cool. Yeah, four years earlier, I couldn't even tie my own shoes. Yeah. I couldn't compete. So, yeah, it, it, was, it was just a, wonderful to be there. So as far as your coach, I know your coach is, is a lot younger than you. How'd you get uh, set up with him and how's that been? Yeah, so I had no idea, you know, how to find a coach and I really wasn't intending to get a coach. I was just kind of lost. I didn't know what to do in transition in triathlon, like when you mm-hmm. make the transition from the swim to the bike and then bike to the run. Um, so I call, I I USA triathlon on their website has a list of coaches that they've certified. So and you can search for mm-hmm. a certified coach in your area. So I found my coach Brant Baylor and um, that way. And um, I just, you know, went to him and said, I'm, I'm obese, obviously. And his, I met with him up, I had to climb a flight of stairs and I was just breathless. I mean, I gasping yeah. for at the top. And I, so I said, okay, I'm obese. I'm obviously out of shape and I'm a grandma. Yeah. And, you know, I, do you want to work with me? And I knew that he normally coached like Ironman. Yeah. Um, and so, but to his credit, he said, yes. And he is younger than my children. That was a little weird. I had to, <laughs> I had to learn how to take directions from a little whippersnapper. <laughs> so, but I, he, he, I mean, he has stepped up. I, I can't imagine, you know, 
in the beginning, I didn't always follow his instructions. Yeah. I thought that I knew more than he did. <laughs> and um, so, you know, he'd have to like scold me. And I thought, well, how, how cool is that? He is this young professional and he's scolding this woman who, you know, was, was old enough to be his mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, but we've had a, I, that I try to bring that out a lot yeah. in the book. Um, it's it's a I, it's the first time I've ever had an intergenerational friendship, and yeah. uh, and it's really it's become a very special friendship. It's um, I I bring some I hope wisdom to the table, and he brings a lot of enthusiasm and, and idealism. Yeah, which is good because he pushes me. He doesn't see me like as an old person. He just sees me as an athlete. So. That's good. So has he had to change the program much, I guess, over the years, as far as, you know, have you, I know your feedback as far as how you're feeling and things, is he, obviously, I'm sure he's taking your age into account and obviously the obesity before, but how yeah. has that kind of program been developed at this point? Yeah, I mean, he's, and I think most coaches are like this, but yeah. um, Grant really prides himself in getting people to be as fast as they can be without injury. Yeah. And he's very careful about that. So like, as an example, we talked about the half marathon um, in the beginning when I wasn't running at all in the, in books, it says that you should do your long runs once a week and you should increase by 10% each week. And we weren't increasing by 10%. And I was terrified I wouldn't be able to finish the race. And I finally asked him about it. And so what he did for me, because I was older and so out of shape, was instead of putting all my miles on one day, he split them up. So we were running yeah. three days a week. I still get in, got in the same miles. But because of my fitness level and my, my weight, he just split it up so it wasn't all at once. So it wouldn't be as hard on my body. So, so yeah. And... I mean, so as I've improved, he's, yeah, he pushes and we're, we're, you know, I've made the commitment to train. I'm, I'm not an elite. I don't view myself as an elite athlete, but there's no reason why I can't train like mm -hmm. an elite athlete. So I asked him to really push me hard and, and he has, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, the fact that you're not having, you know, most athletes that you talk to all have injuries at this point, especially when you start pushing, you know, I go to my, you just, you just start talking to everybody, everybody's got something going on. And the fact that you don't, it is incredible to just continue to stay the course. And I know, I think you said it's even, it was hard in the beginning, but I think now once you find out that it's working, you stay right. the course. And, you know, you, if you trust your coach, like most people, then you're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, a good coach is going to, I mean, they, you know, they don't want yeah. you to get injured. So yeah. um, they know how to hard to push, but then also how important recovery is. Yeah. So we're, I mean, he plans my workouts so that if I have a really, you know, a hard run workout um, today, I had a hard run workout. So okay. tomorrow I have an easier bike, you know, so so we're not piling up the high intensity workouts day after day after day. There's easier workouts in between them. And then we take one day a week off. Um, okay. A lot of, you know, that's one thing that a lot of people write about how recovery is more important for older athletes. And um, often folks will, you know, recommend two recovery days a week, yeah. but I'm still taking one and that okay. works for me. So, yeah, and then we cycle. So, like, I train hard for three weeks, and then I have a recovery week okay. where I'm still training, but it's just easier, you know, we're, we're letting my body recover. So, 
and and the other thing he stressed was sleep because yeah. you know when your body builds so yeah yeah so the recovery i've really focused on the recovery part as much as the as much as the you know the building the strength and the power part yeah, that's important. So as far so you're taking a day off right now, and then you have the recovery week built in. Are you doing any other modalities as far as ice, uh, you know, boots or massage? What do you do? Do you do any other recovery type of things? Um, just depending. I mean, if something's sore, I'll I sort of put heat on it and okay. do that. Um, I have worked um, not. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I worked with a chiropractor a little bit when I had the SI joint stuff okay. going on. Um, and then I'm working with a, a physical therapist, a PT now for my shoulder. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but, um, yeah, but I'm just, you know, knock on wood. I've, I okay. think we've done this really well yeah. and without, without pushing me. We've just been really mindful about knowing what my body can handle. Um, and then I give my coach really good feedback too. Good. If there is a workout where I'm, you know, I'm a little sore afterwards. I always let him know. And and that was something weird too. As a as an older athlete who had never done sports, I like in the beginning, every little niggle, every little <laughs> I thought I was, you know, I I thought for sure I'd broken my leg and you know, or whatever. So um I started I, I, I started going to my regular doctor who didn't really understand sports and training and then I switched over to a sports doctor yeah and I think that that was really good for me because you know their whole focus was to get me back into training but my my, my doctor you know, finally he said okay let's have a lesson about what pain you come in for and what pain you work through <laughs> so, <laughs> but I needed that because yeah. I, I I just, I wasn't used to hurting and yeah. so I, I'd get a little, you know, a little pain in my foot and I was sure it was a stress fracture yeah. and so I, you know, I'd go in. So yeah, so, you know, he taught me that and so I now, you know, I now know when to work through and, you know, if it's a sharp pain or a pain that doesn't go away, then I, yeah. I go see the doctor, so. Okay. Yeah. And that's good. You know, a lot of times I'll just go in and tell him, you know, I just, I just want to know if it's okay to keep training. Yeah. And so it's almost like, you know, a vote of assurance. Yes, you can keep training and off I go. Yeah. So, so how much sleep are you getting a night? Do you? <laughs> well, ideally, um, that's something my, my coach monitors, he monitors everything. So he monitors <laughs> that too. That of all of my training, that's, that's the biggest um, stressor or yeah. the, the most challenging part for me. So I'm aiming at um, eight and a half hours okay. um, of time that I perceive that I'm asleep. And then the actual hours, I, I wear a, yeah. a Gizmo Whoop that kind of monitors all that. So my actual sleep hours are more like seven and a half, but, okay. um, but I'm aiming for eight and a half. But that's hard. You yeah. know, think, I'm, I'm fine as long as things don't you know, pop up that I wasn't expecting, which forces everything to be a little bit later. And then I'm to bed late. And yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing that we're really working on during this, this time, this COVID time of, yeah. you know, getting ready for next season. Yeah. It's a challenge. So it, before races, how were you typically, were you all nervous before a race? Did you get a decent night's sleep? Could you sleep at all? Yeah. I, I I'm better at that now. Um, okay. In the beginning. No, I mean, in, every time I would do a new kind of race or a bigger race, um, 
I, I was terrified. And I, throughout this, I've kind of developed two mantras that have, um, that people tell me who have read the book that these mantras really stuck with them. And one was just, just go away, go away fear. Mm-hmm. And even when I was like in the middle of a meltdown, cause I was terrified of the race that was coming up. Um, you know, I would just say, go away fear. And when I said that it was almost like, like a wall was in front of me and fear was on the other side of the yeah. wall. I was on this side and I was not going to let that fear stop me. Um, so I still had the fear. I just refused to let it stop me. Um, and then the other mantra was go away pride because yeah. my pride often got in the way of me trying things that I wanted to do. But yeah, to, 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 in terms of being afraid, um, I used to have regularly would have huge meltdowns a, a week before the race okay. where I thought I wasn't ready or, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sneeze and I was sure I had pneumonia. <laughs> <laughs> just I was just terrified of everything or if it was a, you know, the race where I first wore a wetsuit or the race where I first did a mass start. I mean, those were scary things. Yeah. But, and, but that's also the role of a coach is to yeah. kind of help you through those things. So, you know, I'd call my coach in tears and he, he'd get me calmed down and say, you know, trust your training, you know, you'll be fine. Just follow your race plan and, and, and off I'd go. So, so yeah, so my, my meltdowns always came a week before the races. Okay. And race morning, I'm strangely calm. Okay. And yeah. And I think that's because I realized at that point it's out of my hands. There's yeah. nothing I can do about it. So just go do it. And yeah. So I, I like to think, you know, I've trained to do a job and now I'm there and now I'm just going to do the job and yeah, whatever happens, happens. So. That, that's good. I like in the book, when you talked about the three boxes, that kind of leads to what you, how you put them in those the three different boxes and things you worry about, things you don't worry about. And so, yeah, yeah. Things you can control, things you can't control. And then the box that's just labeled chaos, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, ca- ca- especially race chaos, things happen that nobody's expecting and you yeah. just have to, you know, accept and adjust. Yeah. Last year I did Ironman Chattanooga. It was my first full Ironman. I did it with some friends and one of my friends came cool. up to me as we were in line for the swim, he goes, I can't find my goggles. I don't know what to do. And luckily I had an extra pair for him. So, but I'm thinking, I can't imagine the chaos as you're getting ready to go swim 2.4 miles and poor Dion's like, I can't find my glasses. And I'm like, I had an extra pair just in, just in case I had those extra goggles. And I'm glad that I kept them with me yeah, um, just yeah. so at least he could have them. <laughs> So, and did, how did you do in your Ironman? Was it was it as challenging as you thought it would be? Or it, it was. It was ninety five degree heat, uh, heat oh. index low one hundred. But I, it was actually a blessing because I went into it with the mindset that all I'm going to do is finish. I'm not there to podium. Oh. I'm going to enjoy it. And I literally went out and just enjoyed every mile of the race. And it took me uh, fifteen hours. Um, but it was fantastic to get across the finish line and say that I was an Ironman. It, it is nothing like that. I can't explain it to anybody who it's just amazing feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, I've, I've done a half Ironman. So a 70.3, um, but never done an Ironman, but I can remember thinking after the half, how, do, how does anybody ever do a full one of these? Yeah, you do it. You just do it slower. You take your time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but for me too, um, I I did my first half um, because I I had been training so hard for years, 
and just needed something different. And yeah. so we did a half just, just for fun. And like, like you, I wasn't trying to yep. do well, but I ended up having a fantastic race and I qualified for the world championship in the half Ironman. Oh, that's so, awesome. Was yeah, that, I, was, I see the sign behind you, North Carolina. Is that, did you do that's North Carolina? Yeah. North Carolina is the, yeah, is the half I, I did. What year did you do that? Uh, last fall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I had a huge uh, number of friends. That was my first uh, yeah. when it was beached a battleship back in uh, 2015 mm-hmm. before it was sold to Ironman. So that uh-huh. was my first uh, really half Ironman. Basically, I started in January with triathlon and did that in October. Um, wow. So it was one of those things that was, and I couldn't swim. So it was, it was definitely eye opening. And but I survived yeah. it. I, I got through it and I was hooked. Once I, again, that you you get it's so easy to get hooked in this sport. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it, it, one of the, the things that I've learned is that there's, there's so much pressure to, to go longer. You know, if you, yeah. when you, you do sprints, people say, well, do Olympics. And then after you do Olympic, well, do a half Ironman. But, um, you know, I've done the, the half Ironman and I've done sprints and Olympics. I love the sprint distance. Yeah. It's a total different kind of racing. I mean, yep. it is a sprint and yep. I'm, I'm racing at red line with my, you know, my cardio the whole way. Yeah, uh, it's to me, it it's it's just as challenging mm-hmm. at least from to, as the half was for me, but it's a different kind of challenging. The half just wore my body down, yeah. where in the sprint, you know, my body doesn't get worn down, but you know, the lactic acid builds up because yeah. you're going fast, and then that hurts. And yeah, but I I just love the the challenge of yeah. just really going to my limit, and and then I. I had a problem because I would go over my limit and my body would give out before the finish line. Yeah. Uh, so we had to learn, I had to learn like, where is that line and how long do I have to wait before I push over it so that I can guarantee that I get over the finish line. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard. So are you, you are uh-huh. watching your heart rate the whole time. Yeah. I monitor, I, I'm a data geek. I love okay. data. Um, so I monitor my heart rate, but I also, monitor my power on the how many watts i'm putting out on the bike and in the run okay um i really advocate for people trying power on the run i think it's amazing um because your heart rate like lags so i'd get off the bike and i'd run too fast but i wouldn't know it until my heart rate caught up and then i'd think oh i went out too fast yeah but with power you know, I know within three steps what my how much effort I'm putting out, and so okay. I can connect immediately if I'm going too hard. So yeah, I really really like it. Same thing with going up to going up hills. Yeah, I tended to push up hills too too hard with heart, and then your heart rate lags, so you don't yeah. know it. Yeah. But with p- power on your feet, you know, wearing a power meter, you you know exactly how much effort you're putting out. Okay. So yeah. So how about nutrition? Um, both, I guess off the race course and then also on how are you handling that now so um when i was obese um i my thing was sweets i i loved sweets and and one of the questions i often get is you know how did i get so heavy um i worked a, a job i founded a nonprofit that helps kids and i loved my work um i really felt it was a a mission and I uh, was passionate about it and often pulled all nighters working. Okay. I wanted to, and to stay awake, I ate. So, uh, you know, I, in one night I might eat 
I don't know, three dozen cookies and a big pound bag of M&Ms. I mean, I just ate sweets all the time. So, yeah, so one day my size just got so big that I started getting really frustrated with the things I couldn't do. Like, you know, I couldn't fit in a restaurant booth. Yeah. Um, I mentioned before, I couldn't tie my own shoes. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, if I went to a public restroom, I, I could get in the stall, but I couldn't close the door behind me. So it was just, I just was fed up with yeah. all the things that I couldn't do. So decided I needed to go down a different path and make different choices. So, so yeah, so I've been basically eating the same meals every day for the past um, eight years. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. And, and I've read um, an article about the nutrition patterns of elite athletes yeah. and most of them tend to eat the same things every day just because <laughs> they don't have to worry about planning their nutrients. Yeah. And yeah. So, yeah. So basically I, my, I, I started out losing weight on a program where you counted points Okay. and I lost, um, and this is where I opened the book because I, I was a failure at that diet and yeah. I wanted people to understand that you can fail and if rather than stop just find something else and yeah so i was counting points but what i was doing is i was eating all my points for breakfast yeah and i just wouldn't eat the rest of the day and that you know i lost 66 pounds but that was not sustainable yeah and so i just put it all back and but then i just started a whole foods um what i call a whole foods program where um i'm not leaving out any food groups so i'm eating okay. carbs and fats and proteins and but I limit my portion size okay um, and then I also um I'll I, I eat five times a day now so um that you know I'm always eating so yeah. I don't have a sense of you know needing a snack between meals so yeah that works really well for me yeah there's benefits of eating your metabolism's always working so again mm -hmm. if they're they're small and it's healthy if you're eating healthy yeah. stuff every couple hours I think there's huge advantages to that yeah. Um, and then you're not binging and eating a, that full meal where you get up and you're like, oh, I probably shouldn't eat all that food, you know? <laughs> <laughs> which exactly. happens a lot. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So and when, when then the, one of the biggest question marks, I mean, one of the hardest parts of my weight loss journey was when I was approaching the point where, according to the government, I would no longer be overweight. And when I hit that point, I really kind of had an identity crisis. Like I had always yeah. been obese. And I remember looking in the mirror and thinking on the morning where my scale was finally below that point and I was no longer overweight. And um, I remember just thinking, who is that person? You know, because yeah. for decades I had been the obese person and now yeah. I wasn't. So, but that's another thing my coach helped me with. I, you know, he said, you're not, you're an athlete now. You're not yeah. an obese, you're an athlete. So yeah, but then but then we had to figure out like when to stop losing weight. Yeah. And that was that was scary because you know, my friends, my doctor, my coach, they were all afraid that I wouldn't stop and I would yeah. just keep thinner, thinner, thinner. Yeah. And and I was afraid to stop because every other time in my life when I stopped a diet, I gained it all back plus yeah. more. So but I I worked with a uh, a sports performance um, uh, dietitian uh, from Indiana University. She okay. works at the time there. And she like helped me see that I would be on a diet for the rest of my life. It's just that the focus of the diet has changed. Yeah. So now the focus isn't on losing weight. The focus is on sports performance. And I'm still paying attention to what I eat. 
but now it's to fuel my workouts and to, you know, get the most out of it that I can out of my workouts. Okay. So then how do you handle uh, during races? I know for the shorter races, I think you're okay. The longer races, like 70.3, and if you ever did go up, you know, you have to consume calories that unfortunately, as you know, are not the best things for us. They tend to be the sweet and the gels. So how are you handling that stuff? Yeah. So, so I do, um, I do nutrition in my shorter races too. Um, we found that by the time I got into the run, if I didn't have some carbs on the bike, I, I I needed carbs on the bike. So even my short races, I, I'm paying attention in the, yeah, in the long training. Um, so in training for my, my 70.3, um, you know, we, we wanted to practice my nutrition in my long workouts too. I mean, they say that nutrition for an Ironman or half air Ironman is another event. I mean, you, if, if you don't plan your nutrition, you don't, you don't make it. Nope. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was a little strange, like on my long bikes, when we were getting ready for that. So I'd have a three or four hour bike ride and I'm thinking I am eating like gels and <laughs> little goo blocks and yeah. it's all like, carbs but on the other hand it was like oh i get to eat sweets <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so yeah and, and i i felt a little like gypped in a way because i i had heard like when you're training for those longer triathlons you get to eat like all kinds of stuff yeah. but all of my eating came during that bike yeah so did it bother your stomach at all do you have any issues no, I, I really, ex- I, I experimented a lot um, because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to have issues. So that's why every long bike ride was a nutrition experiment. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we got to, there was, um, you know, a, a, a drink that I liked that had carbs in it as well as the electrolytes. Um, and um I should mention I'm an ambassador for precision hydration. So oh, excellent. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm big. I'm big into electrolytes and hydrating well. Good. Um, and you know, then we found, and but then on the other, and then you know, gels um, I used as well. So, but yeah. no, I didn't have any, any you know, gut issues with with my nutrition. Um, I think for me it was more worrying about you know after racing for so long it was everything going to still taste good you know or you know because it's still going to so i switched on the run in my 70.3 i switched out flavors um, on the gels just so and then i found that the only ones i i wanted were the lemon ones (laughs) (laughs) because you do kind of lose your appetite after you're exercising that long it was yes you you do but hey you you finished and that's great (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I did. And I had lots of energy um, until the very end. So <laughs> yeah, at the very end, I, I, I always like preview the race course before I race. And I had this time, but I had, I, I don't know, I just, I got all mixed up. My, my Garmin watch stopped working. So I didn't yeah. like, I didn't know how many miles I had run. And for some reason that year, they didn't have mile marker signs up on the route. Okay. So I was like asking people, how far are we gone? Yeah. But coming into the finish, there was a bunch of people at the top of the hill. And I thought that was the finish line. So I sprinted the last block up the, you know, up this hill to the finish line and gave it everything I had. 
And I got to the top and somebody said, good job, just another half mile to go. (laughs) (laughs) And I had spent everything. (laughs) I had no energy, but I'm glad that that happened because it really taught me like what happens when you, I, I could not run more than 30 seconds. And yeah, I remember running in and thinking, um, um, you know, who, who walks in the finish shoot? I mean, yeah. you, know, you need to run in the finish shoot. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was nuts. And the, I, I came in second in that race. Um, awesome. the world spot rolled down to me, but the person who came in first passed me in that point when I was, <laughs> when I was walking cause I had run out of energy. <laughs> So, but live and learn. That's what's fun about racing. It, it is, and that, but that's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so I know, um, as far as your, I've seen some of your quotes. But what, what are the things? You know, you already talked about go away pride, go away fear. What are some other things that you kind of tell yourself when things are, you know, obviously we all get in those dark places. It is, you yeah. know, whether it's a short race or a long race. Your mind can go a lot of places that you have to reel back in a lot of times when things struggle. Um, What are those other things that kind of get you through? Yeah, I think in terms of training, um, when we really started training hard and I wanted to try to, you know, make it to Worlds and be one of the best in the United States. um, In terms of that, my favorite mantra is no excuses, whatever it takes, find a way. Yeah. And that was, that really became a a way of life that, you know, triathlon used to revolve around life and now life revolves around triathlon. And um, so, you know, that was, that was one of my favorites. Um, When I'm having a low motivation day, which we all have days we don't want to train. um, My favorite mantra then is uh, clock in, do your best, clock out. Yeah. You know, you don't have to have motivation. You just have to have discipline. And so, you know, just go do it, you know, clock in, do your very best and then, then go home. And if you're not motivated that day, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you get to the gym or you get to the pool and, yeah. and do your workout. And, and then in races, um, you know, the hardest part for me is like for everybody, it's the run at the end when you're, you know, kind of <laughs> used all your energy. And um, my favorite mantra then is um, show, I do, I do it as a, a cadence with my I do it as a mantra with my cadence so yeah. it's show what you are made of and and I'm like you nice. know show show yourself you're not going to give in here to your body that's screaming at you to stop yeah. <laughs> you're just going to keep going and show what you're made of show the grit that you have and the guts that you have and you know just keep going um so yeah that's that's my one for when it gets hard hard Okay. And then sometimes, sometimes I pretend in my head that I'm a, I'm a sports announcer, and, and I'm, and I'm calling the race, and I and I'll say and I'll I'll say to myself, and there's Sue Reynolds, and she looks fresh. Well, look at her form, man. She's having a great end of the race, and you yeah. know, so it's all mental. And when I say that, it, it's it's easier, and I start to run faster. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, it's funny when I, uh, especially for like the longer races, I, as especially on the bike, because you know you're on the bike for so long sometimes, is yeah. I'm writing my Facebook uh, report. I'm writing my report and it's like, I can write a great report or I can write a lousy report. So I basically <laughs> write it the whole way and it kind of gets me out of whatever and things, especially when they start going dark. And yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, what do I want to write here in this sentence? And it's amazing right. how it's just 
that little trick. And then for me, you know, my faith and then also, you know, I'm doing it for other people. And I know that's why I want to talk next because I know your faith is pretty strong. Yes. And so do you think about other people too to as you're doing those events or – yeah, I, I, it's funny how many different things we, we learn yeah. to think of that bring us strength. And I, I do think of other people, um, um, you know, folks that I know, I mean, I'm thinking of a couple right now, a, a friend of mine who has some health issues and has had them for decades and still has the most uplifting, positive, you know, attitude, even though it's difficult for her to do basically everything. Yeah. Um, and, and then another um, gentleman that I know who was a triathlete got into a horrible bike wreck and ended up um, not being able to use uh, his body below the chest. And so he's in a, in a chair and has come back and is a strength coach at Indiana University, coaching from his wheelchair. Great. And and, and still competing and um, from, you know, in his hand cycle. And um, so, yeah, I think of those people and I think, oh man, you know, the pain that I'm going through right now is just yeah. one yeah. pain I brought on myself yeah. and it's temporary. I know it's going to go away. Yeah. And I think about their courage and, you know, what they had to, to face. And I think if they can do it, you know, I certainly can put yeah. up with this day. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, as you mentioned, my, my faith, um, that, there's a, a, a part of my book is about my faith journey, which I was not expecting to have a faith journey in this when, when I started. So, yeah, so that's there too. Yeah, that that's awesome. So your grandchildren, do they think grandma's a superstar? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think they think I'm a superstar. Um, but um, my two older granddaughters, I have four grandchildren. The older um, granddaughters are eight and six. And they both um, told me this summer that they want to do a triathlon. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And they were all set. And then COVID, all the yeah. races were canceled. But, yeah, but they, I asked them what they're doing in training. And they're swimming. And they're running. And That's so, good. So they're not yeah. old enough to remember uh, previous Sue. I don't think so, no. Yeah. yeah. So they, they know the 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 iron or the triathlete. <laughs> yeah. They know that grandma likes to for show and tell one one time. I guess it was it was for grandparents' day at school. And my my older granddaughter brought a paper bag to talk about her grandma. And she pulled out a pair of goggles and said, My grandma likes to swim. And then she pulled out a running shoe. My grandma likes to um run and then i think there was a bike helmet my grandma likes to ride a bike <laughs> so it just, it just made my day <laughs> that's awesome and she likes to do it all one back to back to back <laughs> <laughs> yeah she doesn't spread anything out <laughs> yeah yeah and then the other granddaughter she's she's so funny she's decided that grandma's slow uh-huh. so we i went swimming with them uh couple two weekends ago we were filming me chasing um swimming behind i actually i was practicing drafting behind one of my granddaughters and you can hear the other granddaughter saying to my husband grandma's really slow that's because she's old (laughs) oh well (laughs) yeah that's too funny (laughs) well that's a little motivation you got to work on getting a little bit faster then (laughs) yeah i gotta keep up with those granddaughters (laughs) um so are you Pre-COVID, were you doing a lot of speaking engagements? Yeah, I'm, I've, um, I, I tell you, so many things. And this is, you know, the, the faith part of this. I, I, I just, you know, 
and when I had lost about 90 pounds, it occurred to me that I, it was just like, you know, who loses 90 pounds? And yeah. I started understanding that God was using triathlon to reach out to me um, and that he wanted to strengthen the relationship that we had. And, you know, that, that finally, it finally dawned on me that that's what was happening. And yeah. I really feel that God used triathlon and to do that. And, and then my coach, um, unbeknownst to me was Christian is Christian. Yeah. And one day out of the blue, he said to me, um, God loves you just the way you are. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, I, I learned a lot from him about everyday discipleship, about how we can reach others just through our hobbies and our jobs. You know, you don't have to be a pastor to, to talk about, you know, your faith. Um, so I learned a, a, a lot with that. And, um, and then the book just fell into my, you know, my lap. Um, okay. So many people told me I should write a book. And I, I mean, I got a D in my high school English <laughs> senior class. I mean, I didn't think I could write, um, but I went to a writer's conference because I knew there would be book agents there. And before I tried to write a book, I just wanted to see if they thought yeah. there'd be a market for one. And I, so I talked to this agent and she said, yeah, I think there'd be a market and I'd like to offer you a contract right now. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, and, you know, it take, most people take like a decade to get an agent and yeah. I just, this one just falls in my lap and I thought for sure, you know, I thought, oh, she must, you know, be an imposter or something, yeah. but I went home and Googled her and she was legit. <laughs> somebody. And so, yeah, so all of a sudden I had a book contract, but I didn't like have a book. <laughs> so, so, but I figured out, I figured I learned how to do triathlon. I could also yeah. figure out how to write. Um, and I discovered that I wasn't as poor of a writer as I thought yeah. I was. And, um, yeah, so that fell in my lap. And then to get back to your question, then the next thing that happened was a speaker agent called and said, you know, I think people would like to hear you speak. Can I represent you? And, um, and I said, yeah, sure, I guess. And, but I, so I, I started traveling around the country doing keynotes for conferences and, Great. um, just, yeah, it's not so much about triathlon. It's about you know, it's about what it takes to be a peak performer and having courage and telling your fear to go away and, um, you know, just believing in yourself. And um, so, you know, all those things that, made, yes, made me successful as a triathlete and in my job, yeah. but can be successful in whatever we do, you know, just learning that you can be whoever you want to be um, and, and at any age. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think so, it's a great lesson to, to have. Yeah. And I think the first step is always the hardest. And yeah. so I think there's a lot of people that nah, I can't do that. And, and that goes with everything. And athletic athletics is only a com small component of that. So I think yeah. that's great. Um, and I know so, COVID's unfortunately changed everything for us this year. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with my speaking though, it's actually, I mean, there's blessings in everything Yeah. Uh, in, in opportunities and chaos. And one of the things that all my speaking engagements got canceled um, but my, my speaker's agent, um, he gave me permission to do virtual presentations over zoom for yeah. groups at, at no, at no fee. Okay. So I've been doing lots of virtual presentations for race directors, for tri clubs, for book clubs, for bike shops. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like we're doing now, yeah. you know, just chatting with people and but I kind of tell my story and then show slides. So I'm really grateful to have those opportunities to, to share and hopefully, you know, 
give people hope that they can reach their dreams too. Okay, yeah, that's why I ask because I'm part of a uh, tri group. I think right now we're over 150 members um, mm-hmm. here locally. We've we've our tri club wants to buy a couple books and have you sign them if you don't mind. Oh, and, absolutely. And then we wanted to see, um, so we can talk later about how to do that. And then the other thing is yeah. if we decide to do a Zoom meeting, if you willing. If you'd be willing to do something for us, because as a tri group, we're, we're all struggling like everybody else. Like we're so used to doing stuff and getting together. And now we're like we had meetings. We were great. Every month we do a different meeting, have a different sponsor come in. And we haven't done anything in months because we're just not sure what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These Zoom meetings have been a lot of fun. So, um, you know, somebody will host them and, yeah. and you know, whoever. And. And then I'll talk a little bit and um, do a and a And then I always give away a, an autographed book at the end. Okay. Um, but then then we just hang around and, and talk. And yeah. I've really been touched by how, how much people miss talking about triathlon. Yeah. And, you know, and just, you know, how are you handling this COVID stuff? And, uh, you know, are you sad? Are you angry? Are you, you know, what, you know, and, and how are you? If you're not racing, then what are you doing now? Are you just taking a you know a five month break or yeah. you know training and just having you know people be able to talk about that? I think is is really good. Okay, because um, again, one of the things you find out with triathlon, when you go there, not everybody is that prototypical athlete look. You have all different shapes and sizes and ages, and that's what I, I love about it. So I think it's you know that message is great for everybody, top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you know, I mean, if any of your other listeners are interested in a virtual presentation, I'd be, you know, just contact me and I'll be happy to see what we can do. Okay. So last thing, you know, I think I I sent you or you'll see in the bottom of my email is I use the hashtag my miles are four. And it's basically my miles are four. And it's, it's a reminder to me of that everything I do, whether it's in life or whether it's on a course or running has a purpose you know and I think so for me it's just the journey I'm enjoying every minute of this and everything else I do um if I I give you the quote my miles are four what what is it for Sue Reynolds yeah I think my miles are can I give you two answers yeah you can give yes (laughs) most people have given me three or four no one can settle down (laughs) to like one (laughs) yeah I mean it's it's when I think about all the reasons that I do this um, and, and why I'm doing it, I, I think, you know, there's the, the personal satisfaction that I love to just, I get curious, you know, can I do an, a, a, a sprint triathlon? Can I, can I go faster? What would happen if this? So it, triathlon just for me personally ticks a lot of boxes. But another box that it ticks is that, and, and, this has happened because of my journey and people telling me how much my journey has inspired them to start their journey. And sometimes that journey isn't even in athletics. It's, it's a journey to, you know, to go back to school or to go after a a career, you know, promotion that they wanted, but just having the courage to do that. So I would say that my miles at this point are also to give people hope that they can transform their life and, that you know any big any big accomplishment is just a series of small steps over time so just you know being patient and going forward so and then i will give you a third one okay um, so uh, all of the 100 percent of the proceeds from the book um are going to usa triathlon foundation 
great. And we're supporting um, the dreams of people with disabilities who want to get involved in triathlon, so paratriathletes. Um, USA, Tri- USA Triathlon Foundation does, has a lot of programming for paratriathletes, yeah. and I, wa- I wanted to help with that. Awesome. So, so yeah, so now that, you know, there's some funding through my journey, you know, my, my book is supporting that. And then I have a couple other um, organizations that I support through my speaking um, that are, are promoting women in sports. So that's something that, that speaks to me too. So, so yeah, so that's kind of a long answer to, to, to your closing question. Yeah, but, I love um, it. And, and honestly, and I love it. And that's typical though. It's hard to come down with, you know, we're not good at just coming with one answer. That's why we're triathletes. Cause we can't just do one thing. We got to do multiple things. And that's why I think we've that's all amazing. gotten into that. Well, and there's so many reasons that we love triathlon. It's just hard to put it in a nutshell. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, good. So thank you. I cannot thank you enough for spending the time with me. This is this awesome. This is fun. This is fun. Thank you very much. And, and kudos to you for doing these podcasts. And, um, you know, I wish that I had known of this podcast when I started and needed that inspiration that, yes, you can be active when you're older. In uh, you know meeting people like some of your other guests, the 90-year-old gentleman that's up. Oh my gosh, you know that's. I mean that was inspiring to me at 66. I'm thinking, okay, 90 years old, Sue, you can still be doing this. So thanks to you for doing this podcast. I think there's a real um, need for it. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to get some insight into how one weathering athlete uses the experience of those around her to approach each day of training and racing to stay as injury-free as possible. I believe her biggest strength is her willingness to ask questions to provide reassurance or to gain a better understanding of the purpose of everything she is doing. Her and her coach's approach to take things slow is a testament to her ability to remain relatively injury-free as she made her 200-pound weight loss transformation as well as her transition from the couch to the podium at World Sprint Triathlon Championships. Sue's willingness to be open about her struggles during her journey and hope will provide motivation to others to take that first step towards their own goals. Thank you for taking time on your busy schedule. Please don't forget to hit subscribe to this podcast. Give me a rating on iTunes. Leave me a comment or drop me a line if you feel you have what it takes to enter the Weather and Athlete podcast. Lastly, no matter how you complete your miles, I encourage you to use the following hashtag, my miles are for, as a way to reinforce the purpose of those miles. As always, my miles are for the journey. Be perusing.